The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Hey everybody, good morning. Welcome, welcome to Coastal Community Church. I am Pastor Chris. It is great uh, to have you with us today on this uh, crisp uh, a uh, little rainy day this morning. Man, yesterday was like 85, and uh, now it's uh, begun to drop a little bit. Not really cold, cold, but uh, anyway, at least it feels like it's fall outside today. We are in a series on the life of Daniel called Brave. And last week, we talked about having the courage to stand up for your faith. And there are going to be times in life where, you know, it, it'd be, I'd rather be known for standing up than always blending in. And there are going to be times when you've got to have the courage to stand up. Uh, today I want to talk about having the courage to have a truth talk with somebody, the courage to confront someone that you care about when that person might be on a destructive path or maybe they're making poor choices. Because the reality is, and I, I don't know, you know, I don't, uh, care who you are and where you're at in life right now, but at some point, somebody that you love, somebody that you care about is going to be, is going to make some unwise decisions. And every now and then, God is going to prompt you and he's going to use you to speak the truth in love to that person and kind of help them, you know, kind of guide them back onto the right path. Or, you're going to be the one on the wrong path. And God's going to use somebody else to come into your life out of love and speak to you. So I want to, I want to talk about that today. And I want to begin by talking about why is that so difficult? What makes that so hard? Now, I'm convinced the reason that it's, that it's so difficult for us is that oftentimes we have some distorted views about a few things. And I want to address those today. Number one, the first one is a distorted view of grace and love. Now, the sad truth of our culture is that there are, there are many people, and probably many people in this room, who have been beat up by religion or a church or some you know, legalistic followers of Jesus somewhere in your past. And there are some in this room, honestly, and you've got some bad memories. You might even have some spiritual or emotional scars from being in a mean-spirited, judgmental environment, religious environment, um, a place where there was no love, where there was no grace. And in fact, grace was just a foreign concept and fear and shame was used to motivate people to, to stay in line. And I think as a result of that, I mean, and as real as that is, but as a result of that, some people have mistakenly concluded that we should never talk about the hard things of the Christian faith. And we should never speak truth into people's lives. You know, when I think about that, I think about my own, my own two children. And I've, uh, I've got a daughter, Lydia, who's 24, uh, living on her own in California. And I've got a son who's 20, uh, who's living at home. He's a student at the College of Charleston. And I can say, without any hesitation, that there is nothing that they could do or ever will do 
that will get me to stop loving them. You know, I, I will never fade in my commitment to them, my love for them, but it is my very love for them that will not allow me as a parent, you know, just to stand idly by and silently watch as they make self-destructive choices. Now, does that mean I'm gonna live their life for them? Absolutely not. Does, does that mean that there aren't consequences for their behavior, that I'm gonna take care of that? Nope. But I'm gonna speak the truth and love to them. Does that mean they're always gonna follow you know, my advice or go the path that I you know, want them to go? No. But I'm gonna love them and I'm gonna speak the truth to them. You know, Proverbs 28, 23, I love the message paraphrase of this verse. It says, in the end, serious reprimand is appreciated far more than boot-licking flattery. <laughs> boot-licking flattery. Ever get that from somebody? Um, the, the, my point is, sometimes love, true love, requires a conversation, a serious conversation. And so you gotta care enough to confront and it's, it's not contrary to grace to speak truth. You know, I've been the pastor here for uh, 25 years and we've had lots of you know, staff and staff changes you know, in that period of time. And one time, one time, way back when, um, I had a staff member that was involved in a serious situation and it required a serious conversation and it required a you know, for all practical purposes, a, a, a speaking the truth in love. And it was a difficult conversation. And I remember having, you know, this moment where I basically asked the question, say, hey, you know, what are you expecting me to do with this information now? And their response was, well, I expect you to show me grace. And I, you know... I got silent for a second, and I don't really feel like the Holy Spirit kind of helped me out here, so I didn't punch them in the face. And um, No, I'm just teasing. But, but uh, here, here's how I responded. I think you have a misunderstanding of, of the word grace. You know, man, we, we can love you, help you, restore you, work through this. I mean, we can be in your corner and, and be with you every step of the way. But that doesn't mean you're gonna get a paycheck here anymore. Um, you know, it, it, might, it might mean that you're not gonna be on staff anymore. Um, from time to time, true love requires a serious conversation. Here's a, another distorted view. This, the second distorted view I think I've observed, and it's just, I would say, a distorted view of the Christian life. You know, and, and it goes like this. Well, what right do I really have to say anything? You know, I mean, you know, what, what, what's, what, what they do, that's, that's really between them and between God. You know, now, the, here's the reality. We are products of a Western culture in which we, one of the key values of that culture is that we value individualism, right? We mind our own business and, and we value that. And so we, we even take offense when someone kind of gets up in our business, Right? And, uh, and, and encroaches on our individual rights. However, the Bible portrays a different kind of life for those who follow Jesus. Ephesians 4.25 says, so put away all falsehood and tell your neighbor what? The truth, 
because we belong to each other. The Bible says we need each other. That's why we emphasize small groups here so much because we know that there is tremendous power over time in doing life with a group of people who become true friends. You learn to love them. They learn to love you. And whether it's spoken or not, you kind of enter into this this covenant relationship that says something like, you know what, I'll be there for you. You know, when you struggle, when you have difficulty, I'm gonna pray for you, I'm gonna love you, I'm gonna support you in your time of need, and I'll be there when you need truth spoken into your life. And I'll do what this verse says here. I'll I'll put away all falsehood. I'll be honest with you. And I want the same thing from you. Now, does that type of relationship happen overnight? No, of course not. And it happens in the context of relationships over time. God gave you other believers in your life, not just to support you and pat you on the back and tell you everything all rainbows and unicorns, okay? Sometimes God gave you those friends, real friends, to speak truth into your life in love. Let me give you another distorted view I think I see today, and it's a distorted view of the Bible. Number three, a distorted view of the Bible. Some people mistakenly think that the Bible teaches that it is never the place of one Christian to judge or correct another Christian. And they will always quote Matthew 7, 1 that says, stop judging others and you will not be judged. You know, judge not lest ye be judged. They always quote it that way. Um, And yet a couple of verses down, Jesus continues and he says this, how can you think of saying, let me help you get rid of the speck in in your own eye or in the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log from your own eye, and then, perhaps, you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. Now, those verses are not warning against ever correcting somebody. You know what they're warning against? They're warning against being a hypocrite. You know, the the Bible gives us lots of instruction, in fact, about speaking truth into people's lives. And the Bible says there's a right way to do it, you know, in a right spirit, in the right place, at the right time. Answer this question, okay? Answer this. Has there ever been a time in your life when somebody that cared about you, okay, somebody that you had a relationship with, took a risk and they spoke truth to you and it helped you grow? Think about the name of that person for a moment. Maybe growing up it was a school teacher. Could have been a coach. Maybe it was mom or dad. Maybe it was a pastor. Somebody took a risk and spoke truth to you in a positive, loving way at the right time and the right spirit and it was helpful to you. So, If you're a follower of Jesus, what I'm trying to say today is there are gonna be times when God is gonna use you to intervene in somebody else's life because you love them. And that's what I want you to see today in Daniel chapter four. Now, if you missed last week, you missed my description of the king. Anybody remember his name? Real evil sounding name. 
Nebuchadnezzar, right? Nebuchadnezzar. It is really impossible to describe just how oppressive and evil this dude was. In fact, you might not know this, but uh, Saddam Hussein was actually quoted one time as saying this guy was his hero, okay? Um, so, but, but what's interesting to me is that this guy actually saw God work and move, even in his own life, enough to where sometimes it actually got his attention. And he would kind of lean in a little bit toward the things of God, quite honestly, like some of you. I mean, at some point in your life, maybe you have been drawn into the things of God, and then like Nebuchadnezzar, you know, and his pride would kick in a little bit, and then he'd go, oh, oh, oh wait a minute, forget this. And maybe there are some of you, you kind of got that, you know, that ongoing spiritual tension going on where you kind of, you know, go for things of God for a time and then you pull back and you do your own thing. And you see that in the life of King Nebuchadnezzar. So God gives him this crazy dream. How many of you uh, dream a lot, you know, and remember your dreams? Anybody, you know, you dream, man, I've got some crazy, crazy dreams. Well, this dream so freaked him out that he couldn't sleep. So he calls in, the Bible says, his magicians, his interpreters, basically asking them, what does it mean? Now the Bible says they couldn't interpret the dream. I think, and this is just my opinion, that they chose not to interpret the dream. Because when you read the dream, when you hear the dream, it's like a third grader could probably interpret the dream. I think they knew exactly what it meant but they were afraid to be the bearer of what? Bad news to the king. You know, the king's like, okay, you know, what does this mean? And they're like, hmm, you know, king, this is a tough one. You better ask somebody else. And so that's exactly what the king does. The king goes and he, he summons Daniel. Now remember last week, Daniel's probably like a, a freshman, sophomore in high school. Now at this point in the story, he's like in his 40s. Um, he's already interpreted dreams for the king and they have a, a solid relationship. And the king says, okay, here's my dream. And he basically says, hey, I dreamed about this giant tree and it reached up toward the heavens and the branches and the leaves were so great. They gave so much shade that it was a blessing for everybody. The animals lived in harmony under the tree. The fruit was provided you know, by the tree for many, many people. And then suddenly, a holy one from heaven shouted, cut down the tree and, and only leave a stump so that everybody will know that God is the most high God and he rules over all the nations. So, King Nebuchadnezzar tells this dream to Daniel. And I like how some of the different translations uh, quote this. He'll say that one says Daniel was greatly perplexed, uh, that his thoughts terrified him. He knew what it meant. Now, what could Daniel have done? I mean, I'm thinking, man, if I'm Daniel, I might have said, King Nebi, that's a good one, you know? <laughs> We, we have that kind of relationship, King Nebi. Um, I'm not really sure what it means, King. You know, I, I, honestly, I've retired now from uh, dream interpretation. I wrote a book called The Daniel Plan and um, <laughs> right? traveling around, health and fitness, you know. Um, but instead, Daniel lovingly stands up to the king 
and, and points him in the right direction. Now, I, I did a little bit of reading this week on dreams and, and some of the common dreams that we all have. And according to several different articles, uh, a lot of the consistent dreams that we all have, have um, they, they symbolize certain things. They mean certain things. For example, let me give you some common dreams that we all have. How many of you have ever dreamt that you're falling? That's pretty common, right? Of course, you're supposed to wake up before you, you know, I guess you'll die or so. I don't know if that's really true. You know, you can't really ask somebody. But, um, but they basically say that it symbolizes that there's something in your life that you can't control if you, you know, dream that consistently. How about this one? This is a weird one. And I, you know, here I am, you know, in my late 40s and, and I still have this dream. You ever dream that you forgot an exam or like that you're still at school and you forgot to take a test and you show up and you're all like anxious about it. I have that one all the time and it, it just bugs the bejeebies out of me, you know, like, and I hate it. Even though I'm not in school, I still dream that dream. And they basically said that this means that you don't feel like you're prepared for something, that you're not adequately prepared. Um, if you ever dream that you're stuck, like you can't get somewhere, like you're in quicksand or something. It means that you feel overwhelmed. Now, here's, here's one. Don't raise your hand on this one, okay? If you ever dream about dirty water, that's kind of weird. It says your, your body is telling you you have a disease. <laughs> okay, so sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, sorry to let you know about that. Um, if you dream about chocolate, anybody dream that? That's, wow, okay. Um, that means that you feel like you've done something good and you deserve to be rewarded. Now, if you dream, and this is a common dream, if you dream that you have to go to the bathroom, that means you have to go to the bathroom, <laughs> okay? It's not a dream. Get your butt up out of bed. It is real. Trust me on this one, okay? Get up. Go to the bathroom. Okay, last one. And uh, this is a very common dream. Raise your hand if you dream that you are naked in an unusual, out of the norm circumstance, like walking to work or at school. Come on, <laughs> raise your hand, admit it. Okay, every article agreed. You are one sick puppy and you need help. <laughs> Go get counseling now. That's what it, no, 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 actually. Um, it means that it's a common dream that, that basically means you might feel vulnerable in some area of your life. I think it means you're sick, okay? But um, no, so back to the king. We got the king. And uh, there's this big tree. The holy one from heaven says, cut it down. And uh, he says to Daniel, who's interpreted dreams in the past, so what does it mean? Daniel I, really doesn't want to answer. The king is persistent. Come on, Daniel, tell me what it means. Basically, there's this, you know, he feels perplexed. He's greatly troubled. And the first thing Daniel says is this, King, O oh King, I wish this applied to your enemies. Wow. In other words, and you, you read this dialogue and you discover that he genuinely cared for the king. I wish this weren't true of you. And then he speaks the truth. You, O oh King, are that tree. 
You have become great and strong, and your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky. Your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. And then he translates the rest of the dream in beginning of verse 25. It says, here's what it means. He says, you're going to be driven away from people. Listen to this. Live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. He says, you're going to be down on all fours and you're going to live like a crazy man. He says, seven times will pass. In other words, seven years will go by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Verse 26, the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots. He says, this is actually good news. It means your kingdom will be restored. When? You acknowledge that heaven rules. Now, he could have stopped right there because he, he did do what the king asked him to do. But then it's as though you see his bravery and his courage. And he does something that, again, literally, if this didn't do it, this for sure did, risk his own life. And he stands up to the king, not because, listen, this is important. I don't think it was because he was arrogant and he wanted to correct the king. I don't think it was because he thought he was better than the king. I think he stood up to King Nebuchadnezzar because he loved him and he wanted the king to know the goodness of God. That's the key. That's the key, by the way, in checking your attitude when maybe God taps you on the shoulder. Verse 27. O King Nebuchadnezzar, please listen to me. In other words, I, I care about you. I want what's best for you. And then he says, stop sinning and what? Say it out loud with me. Stop sinning and... Yeah. You know what? In a nutshell, when you have to bring loving correction to somebody, that kind of summarizes, you know, what's going to have to be said at some point. You know, stop spending money foolishly and do what's right. Stop exploding in anger and do what's right. He said, stop sinning and do the right thing. Hey, by the way, that is exactly what Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery. Now, sure, you, we all know the first part of the story where Jesus refused, remember, to pick up the rock and throw one. And he basically told everybody, hey, you without sin, what? Cast the first stone. We know that. But then he lovingly looked into that woman's eyes and he said, go and sin no more. That's what Daniel did. In fact, he goes on to say, break from your wicked past and be, be merciful to the poor. King, stop oppressing your people. You know, God's given you influence. Why not be a blessing to the people that serve you in the kingdom? Be merciful to the poor. And then he says, perhaps then you will continue to prosper. In other words, king, please do what's right because I want what God wants for you. I want you to be blessed, O king. Do the right thing. Now, I don't know when it'll be. And I don't know under what circumstances. 
But if you are a follower of Jesus and you are living, and this is important, living within Christian community with brothers and sisters in Christ. In other words, you're doing life together, you're encouraging each other, you're loving one another, you're doing life around God's word, praying for each other, then I'm gonna guarantee you something. There's going to come a time when God is gonna call you to lovingly speak the truth to somebody who's making some wrong decisions and kind of help bring them back onto God's path. Just as in the same way, there's gonna be some times when God's gonna call some people to do that in your own life. In fact, I wanna, I wanna take you to the New Testament. There's a verse there that really mirrors exactly what Daniel did with the king. Galatians 6.1, listen to this. Dear brothers and sisters, if another, who? Another believer, this is for believers, if another believer is overcome by some sin, and in other words, listen, how could you not, in other words, man, if, if, if you're loving it all, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should what? How does he say do it? Gently and humbly, not arrogantly, not harshly. What should we do? We should help that person what? Back on the right path. In other words, because I love you, I'm here. Gently, humbly. I am, I am no better than you. You know, I, I'm here to, to help get you back on the right path because there's a place that you are that you're gonna end up hurting yourself or others and I, I care about you. And then Paul says something very interesting. He says, and be careful not to what? Fall into the same temptation yourself. That's interesting. Let me give you, let me give you a couple of simple prayers that apply to any kind of, of spiritual confrontation that you can pray. The first one is this. God, help me to confront with the goal of restoration. Help me to speak the truth in love with the goal of restoration. In other words, we wanna help somebody that we love get back on the right path. We never speak truth to somebody. We never confront someone because we are right and we want to win an argument. We only do it because we want to help that person be right with God. Again, we don't confront because we're right. Oh, I'm right and you're wrong and I'm good and you're bad and I'm here to correct you. No, we do it to help that person get on the path with God. That's the only reason to do it. By the way, social media is not the place to do this, okay? Don't put this stuff on Facebook. It's, on the, it's in the context always of relationships where we're trying to gently, humbly, carefully bring restoration. By the way, again, that's why I'm such a big believer in groups here. Because over time, we give you an opportunity to do life with some people. And if you'll open up your life and they open up theirs and, and your heart and theirs and you're vulnerable with one another and you give access to each other, you've both earned that right then that's when healing takes place. That's when you've earned the right to, to speak truth to one another in love. Prayer number two. God, help me to confront with great caution. With caution. You know, again, it, it's interesting to me that the Holy Spirit of God inspired Paul to put this in. Gently and humbly. And then be careful 
Don't fall into the same temptation yourself. Because here's the thing. It doesn't matter. Anytime you speak truth to somebody, listen to me, guess what? You are vulnerable to pride. And so if you're concerned enough about a specific issue to confront somebody about it, to speak to them about it, now it could be one of two things. One, that God has given you a burden for that issue and he has lovingly you know, tapped you on the shoulder to, to speak truth in the right way at the right time. Or, or it could reflect a weakness in your own heart with that issue. And you need to deal with it. You need to understand that. You need to own that. It might be that you're picking at someone else's speck and there's a log in your own eye. And so that's why we gotta be careful. That's why it's gently and humbly. You see, if I ever speak into your life, that doesn't mean that I'm higher than you or you're higher than me. We're all lower than God. And once we realize that, that we're trying to lift one another, that's when it can be done in the right way at the, for the right reason and get the right results. And so that's exactly what Daniel does. Listen to this. He says, oh, king, man, I love you. And I wish this didn't apply to you. I wish this was meant for your enemies, but it does apply to you. And here's what it means. And I'm here to humbly tell you, please, please accept my advice. Stop, stop what you're doing and do what's right. Because if you would do this, man, maybe God will use you and he'll prosper you. He'll continue to bless you. So how does the king respond? I mean, does he fall on his knees and, and hug Daniel and, hey, let's take communion and sing Our God Reigns? No. What he does is he continues to rebel against God. Listen to this. And then seven horrible years go by. Some of you, you're gonna listen to the Holy Spirit and you're gonna get it right you're not gonna be overly confrontational. You're not gonna be arrogant or harsh. And you're gonna do the right thing. And you're gonna speak truth to somebody that you love. It might be a spouse. It might be a child. It might be a close friend. And sometimes they're gonna be restored and it's all gonna work out. And other times it won't. Now here's what I hope you'll hear today. You are not responsible for their response. You are not responsible for their response. And by the way, that, that's a whole process and a whole longer message. But in a nutshell, you are simply responsible to be obedient to what God calls you to do. You are to do it right, and then you are to trust God with the results. And that is what Daniel did. And then seven years later, you know, and if you've ever lived with somebody uh, who struggles with addiction, man, you, you, you know what that's like. By the grace of God, listen to this, verse 34 says this, at the end of that time, a seven-year period, here's what he says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Man, that's, that's a prayer a lot of 
parents want to hear their children pray one day. And then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. Seven years later, the evil king repents of his sin and he turns to God. And God is glorified because he worked through a man who had the bravery to stand up to a king and lovingly speak the truth to a guy who had the power to take his life. Sometimes you're going to have to take a risk. And sometimes it's going to get messy and it might be ugly. Maybe it's your marriage. And you have to say, you know what? I've been a doormat for far too long. And that ends now. You have been treating me with disrespect. And I love you too much to let this continue a day longer. You need help. We need counseling. Today's the day. You know, maybe... You have a child that's going the wrong way and you say, I was young too. I made a lot of mistakes. But I love you too much to watch what you're doing without saying anything. You know, when the the Holy Spirit connects in your heart and works through you in God's perfect timing, in God's perfect way, um, and we believe that we're going to gently and humbly help people get back on the right path. Man, that's, that's a beautiful thing. And that's a process and it takes time. And it's not because you're right and they're wrong. It's out of humility and love and a desire to help people get right with God. It really is a beautiful description of true biblical community. And I pray we develop that here at Coastal. You know, Jesus, in fact, was full of what? Both truth and grace. And we need to be the same. You know, maybe today, the, the, the difficult truth that you have been confronted with over time, maybe even today, is that you are a sinner and your sin has separated you from God and you've blown it, you've made mistakes. You know, everybody else in this room, you know what we are, we're all forgiven sinners but at some point, you gotta be confronted with that truth that I have blown it. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you're better than me or I'm better than you. You know what that means? We all fall short of the standard and that standard is God. He's holy and you're not. But here's the good news. God provided a way. The Bible says, Jesus in fact said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Nobody will come to the Father except through me. And so today, you could just put all of your sin, all of that on Jesus. He's already taken it. It's just time for you to recognize it and to accept it. He went to the cross with your sin. 
he was crucified and buried. And three days later, he rose from the dead and he is alive. Because of that truth, it was witnessed by hundreds of people. They literally turned the world upside down. It's a fact. And if you would put your hope and your faith in him and him alone, today you can have forgiveness and freedom and joy and meaning and purpose, a clear conscience and a home secured in heaven forever. But it begins with accepting that truth and trusting in God's grace. You can do that today. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.